and live into Facebook and welcome to our BIP chat and today we're going to be talking to TJ Power and I've just had somebody try and ring me right in the middle of it which is very annoying. Sorry everyone that came up on the on the computer there's there's, there's the life of technology <laughs> we are going to be talking about. It's all in the cloud. You're distracting this stuff. Yeah the fact, the fact that it is so distracting we've got to talk about that. Yes, there we go. Yeah, that's the um, world doing its magic. <laughs> well doing its magic so first of all before I really get into we get into a really great conversation with um, TJ um, some of you who are watching this may not have watched one of our BIP chats before so let me give you a bit of context so BIP stands for business is personal and that is a philosophy that Thomas and I have believed in all our careers but it certainly became very true when we started the social network academy back in 1998 which was there to serve business owners and to give them a real emotional support by creating beautiful connections between them. And we created a community. And the idea to us of a community is that it provides a really strong sense of belonging. So we could say that that's our contribution to this sort of mental health agenda, because as Maslow says, um, belonging, it's, it, it goes from what are our psychological needs, then it's our need of safety, then our need, human need for belonging, which then feeds our self-esteem and then feeds into us being able to live a life where we're self-actualizing and being the best we can be. So BIP chat is our chat with people that are uh, members and supporters of um, our Businesses Personal 100 group, BIP100.club, if you want to look that up. And that is where we are looking for 100 um, wise experts yeah experts who um are very passionate about what they do um and ideally in a hundred different niches in yeah in a hundred different niches ideally where and they all can, over the world and all over the world where they can collaborate and support each other emotionally and where everybody can feel they're talking you know truthfully about life as a business owner and more than 50 percent of them do business Oh yeah, we've done a survey. Yeah, fifty-four percent of them in their first in their first few months got uh, got business from it, which is great. So it's nice if there's an internal market as well. Now TJ, oh, cool. Now TJ, well, it won't surprise you that he's related to us because you'll see his name there, TJ Power. Could be a cousin. I think he's a <laughs> cousin. So he is our son. He's our third child, and could be my sister's son. Yep, true. He's our third child, and TJ, you did you went into um, studying the subject that we're going to be talking about, and since you left it, have grown this subject through the incredible research and studying you just constantly do. And the subject that we're going to be talking about today is basically around our mental and emotional well-being, um, but particularly around this the modern age that we live in. And TJ works with us every Tuesday in the BIP 100 group, and he runs a, a Zoom webinar session interactive around eight pillars of well-being. And we're going to be covering those. And I would love you to keep listening because they're phenomenal and they're having an amazing impact. And more than that, they're the most popular thing in the BIP 100. They are. In the survey we've done. You is. are the most popular part. Yeah. of the service we provide to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool to hear. That's well, exciting. It indicates that TJ is really brilliant at this subject. 
um, and also fantastic at facilitating conversations and getting people to talk. But also it indicates that this is a need that we've all recognized in ourselves. This We've become very self-aware that um, in order to perform brilliantly, we have to really manage our well-being and our mental health. So, TJ, I don't know whether I gave a, an appropriate introduction to you. But what, 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 what is the way that you, when you're doing all your keynote speaking and things, what is the name that you, how do you call it, what do you term yourself as? Yeah, so... I work as a mind consultant. So that's what I've gone into after finishing my master's at university. And I'm really all about helping organizations thrive in this digital world. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And interestingly, this morning, I was um, having a conversation with a new BIP member, Marcin in Poland. Awesome. And he was saying how important it is to him to build high performance teams. How he's really looking forward to your sessions and cool. sees this is really important. And so I thought, well, this is an area that really is important to you. So let's start off with this. So whether we are wanting to be a high-performing individual or we want to be part of a high-performing team or we're a leader of a high-performing team, tell us why this is so important and maybe give some background to your university degree and what led you to do what you're doing. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think the first thing to understand is we as human beings are just designed to perform at a high level, like whatever it may be that we might be doing. Like if you imagine hundreds of thousands of years of us evolving up until this point, those that were able to perform in their selected domain, whether it was hunting or cooking or building or caring, whatever it might be, the high performers are the ones that would innately survive for longer and, and pass on. And with that in mind, I think we are just designed to execute at a high level in our work. And I think lots of our challenges in our mind come from a dissatisfaction with how we may be performing in our work or performing with exercise or food or our relationships, whatever it may be. So I see performance definitely as a very important component to the health of our mind. And in terms of what led me into this journey, I've kind of had a mixed experience of being really deep inside performance and really deep inside clinical psychology and mental health and that's kind of formed this journey that I've been on I started first of all studying psychology at university then I kind of added performance psychology and began exploring that space very deeply and then I went into training lecturers and students at ex-university the high performing athletes and things like that with how their minds were working because I noticed a, a huge correlation between challenges they're experiencing personally in their mind and then a drop in their ability to perform in their chosen domain. And then alongside that performance, I started studying the neuroscience and the clinical psychology. So I kind of built up this holistic idea of how's the mind doing, how are we performing, how can they come together to help people nail whatever they're up to. Cool. Makes me a very proud mum, I have to say, listening Anna, to you. And a very proud dad. <laughs> Hey, when when you were talking about mankind in formation, um, hunt, hunting, building, cooking, uh, caring, farming, whatever it might be, all all those all those different behaviour types, have you have you compared those behaviour types to modern man who doesn't do so much of that anymore, and we're all sort of plugged into this giant matrix machine that we know <laughs> where we don't do any of those things really 
so much anymore. Yeah, 100%. This has been my kind of deepest interest and exploration is this deep fascination in tech, someone that's always loved tech, been super interested in it, love the modern world, love all these things it can provide. And then also a real deep interest in the completely other side of the coin, total ancestors, tribal communities. What did we do for the longest period of time here on Earth? Because obviously this new way of living, even just the fact that we have all these houses, these roads, everything that's around us, this is relatively speaking a very, very new concept in terms of the length of time humans have wandered around here. And I do think this disconnection that we have as a society now with the instinctive part of ourselves that really just wants to run around in a forest looking for things and talking to each other and listening to sounds and being in the choir and all that kind of stuff. That part of us that's urging for that obviously doesn't have that need met in our world of waking up, check our email and news, go to work, whatever it may be. So I do think that disconnection is a challenge for our mind and our body. And there are definitely ways you can reconnect with that part of yourself and kind of integrate the instinctive parts of a human into this modern sort of digital version we're coming up with now. I love it. And I think we're going to get on to some of these primal needs that we have that we are not certain, <laughs> aren't we, when we yeah. in our discussion. So one of the things that I've found really fascinating is the way that you've deconstructed subjects that people have been talking about for many, many years and have written, you know, professors and psychologists and psychiatrists. They've, but you've somehow got this ability to deconstruct it and and enable people to be self-empowered when you pass pass them their the lessons and the, the information. Um, and one of the things that intrigues me is so you serve our community as a, as a supplier to us, and I know you've worked with a lot of other large companies, um, and I know some people have embedded you like we have into our service offering they've embedded you into their service offering it's absolutely fantastic um yeah some people now i remember so i've known dad since he was your age yeah Blimey. oh weird. 24 24 yeah. yeah oh my god <laughs> and i know one of the things that dad used to say is it's going to be really hard to get people to take me seriously until i get to a certain age mm -hmm. um but i've seen the way that you are massively embraced and respected so there must be a, a way that you're you're seeing the world and you're empathizing with the world and you're understanding the world that is because you're seeing it through a born digital um, filter or something. Am I, am I talking rubbish or can you help me? No, no, I think that. Yeah, that's a good question. And definitely when I first set out on my journey of going into more kind of consultancy and training in organizations, I thought I'd be at a big disadvantage being young. And my first opportunity that came after university was with Coca-Cola and training a, a, a sample of their organization. And when that opportunity came in, I realistically thought with like the other candidates I was competing with that I didn't have a chance because they've 20 years in psychology and they've had loads of experience. And I was I just stepping out of the experience of being at university. I'd been lecturing at university at Exeter and these kind of ideas really interconnect as to why I didn't want to pursue that path of lecturing and professing and stuff like that and that really is that I've been quite surprised as to how embraced I have been and I think it's just because I'm providing a very 
innovative kind of perspective of what's happening right now. Like when I was at university, you, everything has to be researched and put through a lot of parameters for years and years until the information can come out and be discussed. And whilst that is a fantastic model, the world goes too quick now to always go with that way. So we need to be talking about the situation we're in. And when I was launching this kind of consultancy process amidst COVID, the whole program was about what is happening right now, like how is experience affecting minds? And I am one that's just like very observational of how my mind works, how those around me work. And I've just tried to create a very kind of youthful perspective of this challenge. And I think that has been pretty valuable. It's incredibly valuable. It's, I think it's also the way that you use technology and embed technology into some of the ways that you get the message across. I think that is, so anybody who's not following TJ, follow him on Instagram, uh, on TJ Power on Instagram, and you'll see the way that he gets the message across and it's really inspiring. And then I see the way that you are using um, Canva or whatever design thing to design brilliant slides when you're teaching that help people to remember things. Um, And then you've got a tracker that you've developed on an app to enable people to track how they're doing across these eight pillars. Um, mm. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this gentleman here who happens to be your father, but I'm going to refer to him as Thomas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you love these Tuesday sessions. I absolutely love them. And which, do you know which of the eight pillars, which we are going to come on to, you've, has had most impact on you? Uh, I think the one, yeah, I would say, I would say uh, gut health. Yeah. I, would say, I, I think the the thing that I didn't really understand, I mean, obviously I've been through the cancer thing and the chemo thing, but I didn't really understand the significance of what you eat, how it changes your behavior during the day. Yeah. Particularly the next day. Right. Lovely. And so I'm now hypersensitive, as I've always been. Yes. Um, to every bit of fuel. I now I now realize that. You put petrol in a car, you don't put diesel in a petrol car, you don't put petrol in a diesel car. That when you put in bad stuff, that's like putting diesel in a petrol car. Yeah. And it will stop running properly and yeah. it will completely conk out eventually. Yeah, the gut health. So we're going to come on to the gut health. So off the eight, I would say gut say health. Gut. And for me, the one I absolutely love is nature. Mm. And I and and I love um the relationship you've created for me with, with nature. Um, so I don't know whether maybe we could start to go through these eight pillars now for people, um, and, um, and see if we can inspire people to create a little bit of change in their life. But also I, I do want to say this, one of the reasons that Thomas and I have embedded well-being into our experience of working with our clients is that I, well, we, I shouldn't say I, we truly believe that there is a huge responsibility when you create a a strong connection with a client or a supplier or um, any stakeholders. Um, So some people might be here listening that have employees, investors, whatever it is. And I think we all have a responsibility around the culture that we people experience, but also about making sure they realize that their their mental well-being is critical for them. So if you are listening to this, I am truly wanting you to consider thinking about how you can embed this into your community experience for your clients, how you can embed this into your 
um, experience for your employees, um, because it is mind boggling the difference this has made to our members, but also to the relationship we've been able to have with our members. And in fact, there's one member much deeper, much more intimate. It is because we care about their physical and mental. Yeah. And when they come on, just their business, when they come in and to chat, TJ, they open up more about their life than they probably would in a lot of other scenarios, which is which is really, really powerful. So um, let's let's talk about these eight pillars that you've you've created now. and also why you put them in that order yeah, as well. Yeah. I'd like to know about that. Yeah, so I'm going to pass over That's to you That's a good now. one. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, these are the, this is a run through of these pillars. I have just been on my own journey with my head, effectively, as I studied psychology. And some things have made me feel really good in my head, energized, excited, motivated, and other activities and behaviors have done the opposite, made me feel low or worried or stressed out. And I basically began to observe, especially very deeply throughout the experience of COVID, because it was just more time in these lockdowns to think about how can I make myself feel better today? How can I feel good? And these are kind of areas that I began to consider are super important in this modern world we're living in to prioritize. So our first pillar, And I will explain the order as we go through is mindfulness. So everyone's heard of mindfulness. Sometimes people hear the word mindfulness and think, oh, I don't know about that. Don't know if I like sitting in the quiet or trying to meditate. I really just believe we need a little moment each day. I like to consider it a mindful moment where we slow this system down a bit. Our bodies and brains are running super fast now. We have a lot coming into them, more than any human has ever experienced before. A lot of information, a lot of things to do. Our tasks are fast. We're interacting with these computers at speed. And it can leave the system in a pretty aroused state, constantly kind of on edge, looking for the next issue, looking for the next thing to solve. And I really believe that as we move into a faster and faster world, Having the ability to regulate and slow down your system from time to time, I think in the morning each day, slow the ship down and then set it off on its course, I think is a really key skill. So mindfulness, very powerful. I'd always guide people just to consider two minutes at the start, pair it with something that's in your morning routine, go through the breathing, feel into kind of sound and body. You could go out and do this sort of stuff in nature. Just attempt to immerse yourself in your present experience, whatever you can feel. Very useful thing. Pair it with like brushing your teeth or going for a shower, whatever it may be. So mindfulness. Can I, can I add something to that there? Because I love I love that because I always thought the mindfulness meant I had to be very hum, yes. and my eyes closed and sit quietly. And that stressed me a lot. And then you as talk, it does with many. Yeah. And it, you talk <laughs> and with, it did with me, too, when I first discovered this stuff. And you can build up to it, I suppose, the more you get a relationship to that. But I was when I go to the gym and I'm doing the worst one, my absolute worst exercise is the plank. Mm-hmm. I find that so hard. So anybody that hasn't done the plank, it's where you, you're lying down, but you're up on your feet and your elbows and you literally are really stressing the core. I use mindfulness then. Is that a good time to use it? Yeah, mindfulness is it is a good time to use it. It's all about just immersing yourself in the experience that you're actually having in yeah. that moment. Yeah. So it is a good time to use it. The mind likes to focus on what it's actually doing, but we live in a world where it's constantly pulled in different directions. So, yeah. 
good moment to use it. Okay, so we, that's good. So we're going to have our ones for all of the eight. So we've never done this. Never done what? What our thing is for each of the eight. Oh, how yeah, I that's interpret good. it, how we interpret it. Because well, we've all got to have one thing oh, for right, each of okay, eight. So we're so going to have 16 things. So how would you interpret, how do you do your mindfulness? Well, for me, it's my five minutes in the shower brushing my teeth. Oh, cute. And it has been, it has been for a long time. A long, long time. I've, if I can't have a shower and brush my teeth. You are in the time. shower a long time. I've always wondered what he was doing. Yeah, well, it's just teeth. brushing my teeth. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the it. new justification. <laughs> that's, my new, that's, good. that's my new so number that's one. teeth and the plank. Teeth and plank. Okay, so, so for anyone listening or watching on, <laughs> listening on Spotify or watching on YouTube... <laughs> What is your what is your mindfulness? What one? is your mindful moment? What, what is your, your mindful, mindful moment? moment? Yeah, I like that. You want very a moment good. Moment each day where you slow the ship down. It's very, very. It's important. very funny when you say slow the ship down. It sounds like slow the ship down. Yes, it does. That's exactly what I'm saying too. Slow the shit down. This stuff is going fast now. Our mind and bodies need little moments to cool and, off. And right, TJ, so you haven't said why that is number one of the eight. Got to do eight. Remember the time. Because uh, I see it as the first kind of experience in the day is trying to find this mindful moment. I think one of the most challenging things that society is doing for their mental health is going straight on their phones in the morning. I think it's probably one of the lead contributions to psychological difficulty for all of us. And it's just too much for the mind to deal with all these things in the vulnerable waking state. So it's the first one because I try and detach from the tech first thing, try and entertain the mind, find a mindful moment, sit on the sofa, regulate the body. If you hate the mindfulness or not there yet, that could be reading, brushing your teeth, showering. But one thing you could take from this whole call is try and get that phone out of the bedroom and uh, make a big difference to your life, that's for sure. I know. I know you've had quite an impact on Auntie Fiona, my sister, with that. She's no longer got her phone in her bedroom. Right, cool. so what is number two? Number two is self-talk. And this is one of the biggest there is. This is so influential on our whole experience. We're all chatting away to ourselves in our heads. That doesn't mean we're crazy. We just are. We can chat as you're listening to this. You might be listening to the words we're saying. And then there also might be some chatter in your head. And as we go about our life, we're talking to ourselves about what we're going to do for work, what we're going to eat and exercise and talk to people about and all those kind of things. And one of the challenges in our self-talk is we're pretty hard on ourselves in the modern world we like to tell ourselves all the things we're not getting right and the things that maybe are wrong with how we look or how successful we are or how we compare to one another or whatever it may be and learning to become quite familiar with that conversation you're having in your mind and identifying those moments where you communicate with yourself in a pretty hard way and starting to think how could I balance out this scale a bit and start actually acknowledging all the things that I am doing we as humans are putting in so much effort to our lives we're all trying to care about our health and work hard and care for our family we're all putting in so much effort but the mind has a tendency to highlight the things that we're not quite getting right and that critical conversation really makes it challenging to make any change whether it's your relationship with your phone or you want to exercise more or eat better food if the conversation in your mind isn't that supportive it's hard to do so so Building that relationship with your mind, very key. And that's why that's pillar number two. So what are you going to have as your dominant self-talk thought then? Well, my dominant negative self-talk is um, about my weight and and things. So I'm trying, because 
whenever I'm in the gym and I'm opposite the mirror is trying to celebrate movement and, and fitness and things like that. So, um, and, and I do try and change the self-talk. What about you? Well, it's talking ways. I've got to exercise before I go on Zoom. <laughs> so, so I have to, I must do some exercise before I go on Zoom all day, whether it's walking or tennis or swimming or cycling. Or, but but must... you don't have a, you don't have a negative voice in your head, do you? No. You might, his dad's such a positive man. So he probably doesn't struggle as much as some of us do. Um, so number three. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. And a lot of that is to do with 2018. Yeah, when dad got his, when he got his um, cancer. So um, yeah, number three. Number three. So we're spending a little bit of time slowing the ship down, slowing the ship down, whatever you fancy, with the mindfulness. Then we're considering how we chat into ourselves in our head. Could we actually communicate with ourselves in a bit of a kinder way? Then we jump into our performance and how we're performing in our lives. We are just innately designed to perform at a high level. Like it's just what we're here to do. And that doesn't mean you have to be some monster business person in Excel, but whatever you choose to do, whether it's like art or business, or you really want to perform in your relationships or how you are as a father, whatever it may be, doing a good job of it is key. So considering your performance and considering those things that are reducing your ability to perform at a high level, which could be as simple as having your phone on your desk and going from task to phone every two minutes. It could be drinking a bit too much booze in the evening and feeling like low in the mornings and thinking a lot in your mind because the booze often does that to our thinking. So yeah, just considering what is maybe making you perform at a lower level and what kind of things make you perform at a higher level. For example, if I have a morning where I don't go out and spend a bit of time in the quiet before I get into the tech, like I always used to be someone that went straight into the tech. That's why I feel so strongly about this. But I, if I don't have some time to go out and just kind of consolidate my thinking and think about how I'm going to navigate the day, my performance that day is a lot lower. So we all have different things that can help us perform at a high level. And I think that's definitely an important aspect of the, uh, the health of our mind. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, when on the tracker, I put myself in as 50% out of, 50 out of 100 in my performance. And that's because I'm expecting more of myself than... So I wasn't judging what I am achieving. It's just this feeling that I should be achieving more. And I suppose that's something we all have with, you know, any ambitious person has, isn't it, with themselves? hundred mm, percent. And whilst it's good to recognise moments where you feel like you could do a better job at things and make slight tweaks, it's also very important to recognise how much the mind likes to tell us the little aspects of where we're not performing well enough. And it very rarely actively identifies the aspects that are going to plan. And that is just kind of shaped in the way we run our world. Like our, our world's really good at highlighting maybe some of the challenges we have as a society and maybe what we're not getting right. But it very rarely like actively lets us know all the amazing things we're doing, all the progress we're making, because society's nailing a lot of aspects. And that kind of global idea reflects in our thinking as well. I'm really looking forward to that session when you run that. For In bit. terms of performance, you, you, you do work very hard and you do your exercise. So giving yourself 50% is... Well, TJ said it was a bit bad. Can you, you can't do any more work or you can't do any more exercise 
You can only do more and, hours of yeah, exercise but I suppose or more hours work of work. More productively or have a clearer mind and do all the things that TJ talks about to help me perform better. So mm. what's number four then? Number four is movement. Nice and simple one. And something humans need to do when you look at kind of research on tribal communities and stuff like that, people that are still living in the ancestral way, they're wandering around for like six to seven hours a day. So human bodies are designed to really move. And that doesn't mean we have to try and do that, but it definitely highlights the potentially 20 minutes or something that some people are getting each day, which is okay if you're in that place, but how much of a challenge that presents for the mind. And We've created a cool world here where you don't need to move anymore. Like we've managed to put everything into screens and you could operate your entire life off of screens and not really move. I could literally have a bed and a seat here and operate my whole life. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's important to actively prioritize movement because the world's not going to move you on its own anymore. Like even with commuting, isn't even as much of a thing. Yeah, now. So the mind the is not going to move you anymore. I like that. Yeah, that is really true. And I know when we went into COVID, I didn't realise how much the running up and down escalators in London and running for trains and things, how much fitter I was. And and I think this is well, anybody that's just now going got the phone, the the trackers will see how little they're moving unless they make a concerted effort. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think it's a big priority as we get more and more digital and everything becomes more comfortable effectively, we're just making everything kind of easier for us. Even you can get food cooked and delivered in like 10 minutes now. We're like executing speed. We've got to also prioritize these things that connects to our convo earlier about human instinct. And you talked about when we did movement this week with our members and you got us actually up and moving and doing, and I've been, I've strapped it to my computer to remember the exercises <laughs> to do. And, um, but you talked about the four areas, which were, what was it, slow and steady? Slow and steady. I think you need something that's just wandering around. Walking. Yeah. And then the, then the you second. have mobility. Yeah. Mobility that, is underestimated how key it is. I think it's very important for all of us to recognise how long we might be on this planet. Science and medicine is getting pretty advanced now. So if we're going to be here a while, you want a body that can carry you around. So literally just moving your body, moving your spine. Yeah. It's just probably one of the best things you could do. So that's then we have yoga and things like stretching, that. Stretching, yoga. But even when you say yoga, some people would perceive like, I really like yoga. And it's more to recognize, it doesn't have to be a 40 minute yoga session. It could be wake up, get out of bed, just stretch your back over to one side and over the other. But these tiny little things, they keep the system going. And then you've got cardio sort of stuff, getting your heart rate up. Your heart likes to raise in speed because that makes it fitter stronger because it's just a muscle like everything else and then you have muscle stuff we have muscles all over our body that don't get used as much now we might have strong finger muscles from clicking keyboards and stuff but that's about it with yeah. in terms of what we're actually actively needing to do so finding a way to use the muscles that are on your boil enable them to stay there and they're pretty useful and I know we can't go into detail, but people following you will be able to see more on that. But, you know, incredible, isn't it? The impact movement has then on your mental state and you, the connect mind, mind body um, bit as well, which I know we haven't got time to go into it. But I think it was fantastic when you you share that as well. So you know it's huge. The, the, there's one thing I could add on to the movement thing just to recognize is this uh, idea of dopamine loads of people have heard of dopamine in our world and we associate it with 
drugs or alcohol or cocaine or pornography or junk food or social media that's kind of what's made dopamine really famous that stuff dopamine is an amazing thing to experience when it's experienced naturally it's potentially the most euphoric feeling it's the excitement of i don't know finding out you get a pay rise in your job or finding out that you get a new home or succeeding in your life or being validated as a good parent or a good friend these real experiences that are like yes this is what i'm on my mission to do in this world that's natural dopamine and one of the biggest challenges we have in society now is because we're clever humans we've short-circuited dopamine and meant that we can get it very easily without putting any effort in so we can get this hit that we're innately desiring from say social connection or movement or food or whatever it may be we can get that same hit in the brain from refreshing our email or going on social media or eating unhealthy food or drinking alcohol the difficulty is it's too fast the spike is too high so every time we only get hits from there we get lowered down and that's where lots of us feel low at times and demotivated and not that enthusiastic about our lives so with what we were sharing movement is just the most natural primal way to get that nice regulation of dopamine and when you get back from a walk or a cycle or going to the gym typically you feel like a sense of accomplishment a bit of joy and excitement in your system because your body's like nice that's how i want dopamine i don't want it from refreshing my email every five minutes to see how my clients are doing or something like that yeah well so you always a... do you always do on the movement thing you always do stretching and and movement every day i see dad doing that when he gets up and when he goes to bed and um but what i like is this idea of doing all four during the week making sure that you cover mm -hmm. all those four areas um and i love the fact you say we should be earning our dopamine yeah i that had a big impact on me big impact on me as well yeah you know 100 percent 100 percent. yeah so when i cooked that really i cooked three curry dishes for tj coming over for dinner and I said how much I was on a real high cooking this meal and TJ said it's because you've earned you've earned this meal you've earned your dopamine because you've spent time doing everything from scratch rather than getting it delivered by Deliveroo on the doorstep yeah <laughs> that, but food some... is such a good example thing. of earning the dopamine just because everyone can relate to that experience of like putting a carbonara in the microwave and eating it and thinking this is pretty delicious as you eat it and then afterwards feeling lethargic and not that good in your body that's yeah. just because you didn't put any effort you didn't earn it so your body's like well i didn't earn this and it drops it to rebalance when you go through a slow process of building up the dopamine then you experience it then it's like oh that's nice and then it will regulate back to its baseline but it never went boom boom back to the middle just went up and slowly back yeah, down yeah, so yeah. Very significant. Though. It is very significant. It's even sort of chopping up all the vegetables and just, it is, it's just so, and a bit mindful probably as well, isn't it? While you're doing Yeah, it. that could be a mindful moment. We've just got so many things in our world now that are spiking excitement, all this stuff, like food or alcohol or whatever, social media and stuff, but it's spiking excitement. Anything that spikes has to drop, just like how a heart rate looks in a monitor next to a hospital bed. When it goes through big highs, it goes through big lows. And that's why so many of us now feel really good for a bit and then we're like oh fuck, i feel low i feel lethargic and then we go back up and back down and back up that's a lot for the mind to deal with so you need a little bit more steadiness and then you just progressively feel better each day so that's why people go back and forth to social media to go back and get that hit mm. that spike yeah yeah 100 100 and what's interesting is whatever spikes it first in the day so if you spike it with coffee first thing or you spike it with social media first thing Wherever your brain gets its first hit of that dopamine, 
it will crave it for the rest of the day because it'll be like, oh, where did I get that today? I'll go get it from there again. And that's been one of the big things for me for from detaching from like checking my email or something when I first wake up. Because then I'm going to crave that kind of experience, mm-hmm. which isn't like a pleasurable one. If you get outside or you stretch your body, drink some good, drink some like ginger lemon tea, something nice for the system, it's going to crave in that direction. Instead. Yeah, that's fantastic. Right, we better march on. So halfway through, number five. Number five, that's our nature. That's our connection with that natural world out there that we don't really have too much of a relationship with as a society now. And nature is such a powerful place. In in Japan, like a lot of the research into nature has come from Japan. 67% of Japan is forest and pretty cool ones as well. It looks like Avatar, the movie, if you've seen that, in areas of Japan. And they've had a difficult time with mental health in Japan. They actually coined this term Kiroshi, which is like an individual that's really struggling with their mind as a result of the modern world being so intense and just leading to burnout, struggling financially, all of these different things. And given their extensive natural world, they began doing this process called Shinrin-yoku, which I'm sure could be said in a more beautiful, eloquent Japanese way, but a Brit would say Shinrin-yoku. And that's the idea of forest bathing and just spending time in forests without any therapeutic guidance, just wandering around out there and the transformation that they see across uh, individuals' minds, their worrisome thinking patterns, their stress, how their physiological functioning works, like their heart, their stress hormone, cortisol, all of these different aspects, the body seems to just go into a state of peace when it's in nature. And it's like almost amazing that we've even had to prove that with science because it's like of course where we were made our body's probably going to think oh i'm home this is where i was created this is a nice place for me to be and it'll go into a more settled state and as i say this disconnection we have from that part of ourselves that doesn't want to be constantly in a bustling city with buses and sirens and stuff of course it's going to be overwhelming so getting out into that natural world regularly. I really think we need to see nature every single day. Like we need to be in that area, away from connected into it each day. Um, I'd arguably say it's the, the biggest thing out of all of this. I have certainly found it in uh, some speeches I've delivered. I've been asked, what's like the number one thing I could do to start my journey to have a better time in my head? And I always just say, like, leave the phone at home or put it in a bag on airplane and get into nature and wander around and the mind thinks away but you can find your peace if you spend a bit of time there i remember last summer when we were in covid and you were going out for these walks and we've always done these walks but you wanted to go out on your own doing them um and you'd just come back from doing your masters so you were living with us for a couple of months and um dad and i were allowed to follow you once on a walk and um <laughs> i don't remember that i do remember it really clearly and so you were walking about 20 meters ahead of us and you kept going up to trees and putting your head near them so i said dad always oh, kissing the trees he's hugging the trees and so fully we, lost the plot on the, on, on the walk away <laughs> dad and i were going up kissing these trees just going up, kissing a tree we kissed it all kissed 20 trees now when we got home we said why why are we kissing the trees and you said no, I wasn't, Mum. I was smelling them. <laughs> <laughs> so the point... I haven't reached the point of kissing. kissing trees, yeah. no, Don't know no. what's to come, though. So, so, so now tell us about the phytocides and why you were smelling them. Yeah, well, I started studying this 
forest bathing there's this japanese uh, psychologist called lee and he's pumped out loads of research in the last decade and one of the one of the big areas is about our immune system and i really see our immune system and our mind as a very interconnected system i think if our immune system struggles the body will physiologically struggle then we'll have less energy in our mind our mood will be lower so i see prioritization of the immune system is very useful for the mind and one thing that's cool is trees emit these essential oils called phytoncides so when you're in nature there's a smell in nature and that is phytoncides that you can smell and as soon as a, as phytoncides enter the body you get this huge lift of what's called your natural killer cells they're the primary system that when some virus or bacteria turns up that your body doesn't like they turn up with their guns and weapons and say Let's get rid of this. So it boosts your natural killer cells by about 52% in about 30 minutes, which is a lot in terms of relativity. Wow. And they also boost something called purin, which is your primary anti-cancer protein in your body, wandering around solving potential cancerous cells by 48% when you're in nature. So those forests out there, they got a lot to give us. And yeah. we also have a lot to give them, which is a different side of the conversation about future for humans. However, if we get there, breathe in that nature, get a bit of a connection with it. I didn't have an interest in nature at all a few years ago. I thought it was just a place you could go for a walk in the park. But it's a lot more than that. And yeah, as I say, good for the immune system as well. Yeah. So when you go out for a walk, leave your phone or, as you say, hide it so that you can actually appreciate it and use all your yeah. senses. Um, you might not taste things, but you can use most of your senses. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I love 100%. the nature. I love the nature. Now, number six. Number six, this is the biggest one of them all. And this is our relationship with the tech. And I have a youthful perspective. That is, I believe the phone is the number one cause of psychological challenge in our world now. I really believe that to be the case. And I think that for, for a number of reasons, it's firstly just like a, a lot of information to take on, but it's also fueling the, the comparison we have in our society it's really playing with this dopamine stuff in our head we have a big urge to constantly pick this thing up now and I work with people from 16 years old all the way up to working with people last week that were 60 and there was a chap that was 60 years old that was speaking with me last week and he's totally addicted to his phone checking it all through the night checking the email and the phone really has created this opportunity to constantly be connected and i'm not someone that thinks we should leave tech like i love it i love my phone it's sitting there i can't wait to go after this podcast however we need to be able to find moments of disconnection where this system slows down a bit basically so deeply considering our relationship with tech having tech is something we use to advance our life to advance our work find connection with others advance our understanding of our health educate ourselves that's probably my favorite use of tech is listening to podcasts and stuff. So we need to use all the valuable components, but also find peace in other areas and find some calm. And on that, I actually heard this phrase yesterday in this podcast by a chap called Andrew Huberman, who's like the lead neuroscientist at Harvard University. And he said that addiction is the progressive narrowing of the things that bring you pleasure. Okay, oh, I so love that. Addiction is the progressive narrowing of the things that bring you pleasure. And when you look at people's lives now, many of us go to the phone when we're seeking pleasure now. We come off our work, we go for a coffee, we 
go and have our lunch. We sit in the evening in front of the TV. We are progressively narrowing the things that bring us pleasure because the phone is becoming the dominant source. In an alternative scenario, if you're really deeply immersed in alcoholism, alcohol will be the only thing that can really provide you with pleasure or junk food, whatever it may be. So when you consider that, if the phone is the dominant source of pleasure in your life and where you're constantly going from when you wake up to all of your breaks from work to on the weekend, it's time to kind of recognize maybe I am a bit addicted to this, this device and that's all right. They are bloody addicted. Like it's not surprising humans have been making things with our hands for 200,000 years. And now we've come up with this little thin slate that can do absolutely everything in our lives. It's not surprising we want to play on them all the time. But recognising the relationship and finding some space from it is something I think all of society are going to really need to prioritise as we run forward. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting with my phone is since I live on Zoom all day, I don't actually use my phone the whole day anymore. So when I use <laughs> my phone, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's, well, everything in my That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing it like that, like going on phones is definitely fine. Like I love going online and connecting with people and stuff. There's definitely no problem in it. It's just overdoing it. It's the challenge. Oh, just definitely. like there's no problem with it. I'm too busy to do social media. Yeah, you know, I don't have time for no, that. No, I love um I love that. I love that quote, addiction is the narrowing of things you pleasure. That's really the things that bring you pleasure. Yeah. Things that bring you pleasure, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big drinker, but if I do very occasionally, like once a month, have a glass of red wine with a, a nice meal, I get so much pleasure from that. But even then, I do notice, I do notice my mood the next day, even with one glass of wine isn't as great. So that's another whole big subject, isn't it? So what's number seven? We've done six, and we're already at 45 I know. Minutes. Well, if TJ doesn't manage mind going on, and if anybody... We're all good. Let's keep chatting. Anybody, anybody listening on, you can always, if you have to go, you can always watch it back uh, or listen to it back. So let's get to number seven. Yeah, so interestingly, what you're saying there about the booze, number seven is all about our gut health, and what we're putting in our body. Yes! And go gut health. <laughs> this is a uh, is a big one gut health our mind and our our brain i should say and our gut are very interconnected a lot of people call it the second brain now and there's a lot of intelligence in our gut we can all feel our gut we know our gut is guiding our behavior our decisions and stuff at times we like to think we can think everything through but there's a lot of just intuitive feeling within us as humans and that's really being housed in our tummy and our gut has the ability to create 90% of our serotonin. Serotonin is the thing that's within you that makes you feel good. It boosts your mood, mood and it is the thing that helps your digestion, helps you sleep. Whenever you feel joy in your life, whenever you feel happy, whenever you feel good about things, serotonin is being experienced in your brain. 90% of that is being made in your tummy. And that's why gut health is so interconnected with our mental health, because obviously if your gut is sitting there and thinking, right, I need to try and make this serotonin stuff to make sure this person feels good. And then we constantly feed it with unhealthy kind of junk food. Then it's like, well, what kind of horses are that? I can't make this stuff. So it lowers the levels down because it can't produce it. And then it leads us feeling low. So like sometimes when we like binge eat, for example, we'll feel low because our bodies are, well, I can't make any serotonin with that stuff. On the alternative side, when you do eat a nice, healthy, nutritious meal, or you have a smoothie or you eat some fruit or some vegetables or drink a drink like kombucha or water or healthy teas, anything goes into the tummy. And the tummy's like, nice, look at this stuff. I can easily make serotonin out of all of this. 
So therefore, it will make you feel a lot better. And that's why eating good food does, does just make us feel really good in our minds. So definitely considering what goes into the tummy, pretty important. This is definitely the one that's impacted me the most. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And that knowing that connection to our mental well-being. So tell me this, because we can't all be angels all the time. And, and I am not. That's important um, and I know, And I know you are very realistic about this. I absolutely love my bit of plain chocolate with the coffee. <laughs> but well, it's a luxury in small even, doses. Yeah, it's luxury in small doses. That's the right phrase. I was trying to think of that earlier. But is, is even that going to affect my serotonin? No, that's fine. Like there, there's a balance to strike. It's well, it's dark chocolate. Yeah. Diet chocolate is definitely better to go for, but clean, perfect diets, clean, perfect anything doesn't work. You can't have like perfect, clean no. stuff. So, well, the thing it's is, it's just about striking a balance, trying to get like 80% of stuff into your tummy, decent stuff, and then enjoying your chips or your burger or your chocolate or yeah. whatever it may be, and not being hard on yourself for the experience of having it, recognizing well, I am a human and this is nice. So, I'm going to enjoy eating yeah. this and I'm just going to know that. This is a treat. And the other stuff is what I mainly like. That's what I tried telling myself when I stuffed myself with licorice yesterday. But TJ, <laughs> I guess clean, clean, perfect diets are necessary if you're an athlete or a sports mm. professional where having any disadvantage in your body affecting your performance on the field, whatever that field might be. So some people yeah, obviously have to live these clean, clean lives. I can imagine they do live really clean lives, but I can also imagine that when they're out of season or out of training, they might counter it for a little bit to rebalance that area of them that's seeking the pleasure. Yeah. So I can imagine they go the through those is, phases. The danger is we become, we, we create intolerance in our body if we don't give a little bit of something into it as well, don't we? Um, that's something... Yeah, you typically any kind of restrictive process will just fuel the desire to open up the restriction. So you kind of yeah. want to have it open and then just try and consciously select the things that are good and ease yourself in that direction. Well, restriction. I, I banned chocolate from the house four months ago. And we've and... never bought so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. but there you go. We've never had more chocolate in our Ever since you banned it, we've never bought. <laughs> there you go. That's a good example. Straight away, so restriction doesn't work. Oh dear, dear, dear! What sad human beings. Um, right, number, number eight. eight. Number eight. So number eight. So up until this point, we are mindful. We're spending a little bit of time slowing down the system, considering how we're chatting to ourselves, trying to communicate with ourselves in a way that acknowledges the effort we're putting in, trying to perform well in our work and in our lives. We're moving about, humans need to move. Whilst we're moving about, we could do that, wandering around in nature. When we're spending that time wandering around in nature, considering how we're talking to ourselves and slowing down the system, we could be away from tech. When we get back from the tech, we could eat some food. When we get back from the walk, we could eat some food. And then finally, at the end of the day, the eighth pillar is going to sleep. And sleep is very important for humans. When we sleep well, we feel good. And when we don't sleep well, we feel maybe a bit more irritable or frustrated in our experience, a bit lower in our energy. And 
in a world that is pretty different to lying down on a dark floor in a forest and looking up at the stars. Many of us struggle with our sleep now. It's a very stimulating our world. Our brains are very active. They're very fast paced. And lots of us, when we're trying to go to sleep, we'll like spend the evening kind of watching TV. And whilst the TV's on, we also have the phone in our hand because we've reached the point of such desire for stimulation that one is not even enough on its own. We need two now to keep this brain occupied. And we kind of go through that process, ramp the brain up all evening, more and more electricity flying around, trying to keep up with the information and consumption of stuff coming in. And then we're like, right, bedtime, everything down, can't go to sleep. Because the brain continues to operate at that speed. And without the stimulation of the tech, it will just operate at that speed, but with thoughts. And then it will wander around all your thinking, all your worries, all your challenges, which isn't a particularly fun thing to do. So definitely prioritizing your sleep is important for your immune system, how your body works, how your mind works, your energy, all of those kind of things. And one of the, the first things I do is just have a window in the evening of time before of kind of like breaking up the tech to trying to go to sleep. I go on tech most of the evening. I watch telly, I check my phone, I watch something on my iPad. Like I don't think we have to give it all up, but just having a window where it's all right, tech's gone. Now I'm going to get a glass of water, go and brush my teeth, reduce all the like lighting in my house to make it dark so the brain actually thinks that nighttime is coming and just slow have like a period of slowing the system down again and that will uh, help the sleep help the energy help the mood indeed you know i've been listening to you talk about these eight pillars now for 14 months goodness me and it's still interesting <laughs> oh i'm totally more more. i'm more and more interested in the eight, eight. but I'm I'm your dad, and I listen to you a lot. And obviously, I listen to all the BIP sessions. So it's still taking me 14 months to absorb all of this. These eight. Mm -hmm. So it's That's... not an overnight thing. Just absorbing it. But no you way. know what? What you've made me realise today is, I try and apply. I try and do all of these eight before I go on Zoom. So okay. you care? So is that a nap eight, in the morning? Does that include sleep? Well, I mean, coming from sleep. <laughs> from sleep. Oh, yes, almost going backwards. Sleep, movement, yeah. food, sleep, gut health. Uh, sleep, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't I don't touch the technology until I've done all the others. Yeah, interesting. And your uh, mind typically is pretty good, and that will be a big contributing factor. And obviously at 6 p.m. when I come off Zoom, I then stay off it then until we go to bed. So... I have to this say, this is a remarkable system you've developed here mm, that everyone will use mm, in a different way. It is absolutely brilliant. And um, TJ, we've taken up a lot of your time. It's, <laughs> it's all right. I like that. Um, so anybody who has really has enjoyed this, follow TJ on an Instagram. Um, you'll love yeah, his the videos. guidance is very digestible there. It is, and you put, I know you put a lot of effort into the way that you edit and create the videos and the information. And you've now launched this Walk With Me series, mm. which I think is a fantastic idea. Um, we can yeah. walk around different parks with TJ, so anywhere that you are in the world, you could tune in and see different London walks soon, isn't it? Um, yeah, so going to be walking all the parks in London, showing everyone where they could get out to. I think it's wonderful. I think this is a um, tipping point. Also, what's the URL for your tracker? For my track, the tracker is actually when people are in one of the processes. So okay. when so they're what, in the journey, then so they can track it. You can take it, but no, but I understand yeah, not what as you're valuable saying. if you're not in the training. 
No, I get that. That was a bit silly of me because I totally get that. So what is the, you've got this me um, program. Yes. So can people join that if they wanted to really go on a program with you? Yeah, so I kind of have two areas to my work. I have one component that's focusing on organization, organizations, mind health, training organizations. They go through this mind health journey and then they join something called Mind Health Monthly, which gives them the opportunity to continuously check in with these things and have accountability. And then my other side is working with individuals. So me, which stands for Mindfully Empowered, is an opportunity to join an app and a community and go on these journeys together as a uh, as a group and you get to be in this app and all talk we just had our third session with one of our groups today which was really cool and that's yeah as i say if you're just individually looking to embark upon this that's and nice. inside mindfully empowered there's a, a full kind of lms e-learning platform launching soon where you can take these journeys on your own as well so at the moment people do get you live don't they on the on it which is amazing they do so what's yeah, the url what's the url for that that's www.mindfullyempowered.co. That's fantastic. I've got a dog attacking me. We've got Hannah's dog with us for anybody wondering why, how we have suddenly acquired a dog. Um, that was amazing, wasn't it? Absolutely, Absolutely loved it, loved I it. I think so this is a massive system you've developed. It is. Massive. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. We're very proud of you, as you know, and, and I'm very proud. We're very proud of the impact that you're having with our clients. And thank you so much for everything yeah. you do for us. You're the most Beautiful. popular supplier with all our Bit 100 members, Teach. That's, That's what very cool. Throws Thanks out. for having me, guys. That very was cool. brilliant. Lovely to have you. Thank you.